Well, it's still me. Uh, <laughs> we're in week 756 of our That's a Great Question series. It's awesome to be here with you four years later. Um, that's actually not how math works. Um, but no, it's been a great series that we've been in. If you haven't noticed a little Easter egg, Griffin likes to put silly little things in the bottom, like as it populates, like Google does. And so one of the questions Griffin's been wondering is, how do I share my crayons? And so we've been working with that on our design team here at Central, uh, you know, hard-hitting stuff. But our question for today is, how do I share the gospel? Uh, and so they tabbed, uh, tapped the outreach guy, because that makes sense, right? And so uh, what I want us to do today is to think about... Um, how can we share this big story that we're a part of? And we could talk about a lot of different tips and tricks. We could talk, you know, the four spiritual laws or the Roman road or uh, the three circles or we've got the four symbols that FCA uses. We could do that today, but you could Google that and you can figure that out on your own if you want to. What I want us to do today is to dig a little deeper into what is God up to in the world as we think about how do I share the gospel. You see here at Central Church, uh, we don't do attractional evangelism. Uh, so what that means is we don't have big events where we, where we invite a bunch of people all across the city to come and to hear about Jesus. Uh, we don't think that that's, that's the way that God is wanting to break into the world. Uh, what we focus on is your relational world. The word that we use is this word oikos, uh, and it's a Greek word that means household uh, or family group or relational world. And so we have like all these tools that we create, they're out on the wall out there, uh, all centered around the idea that God has uniquely placed you in some people's lives and that those people are there for a reason. And so there's eight to 15 people in your relational world, it's, it's your classmates, it's your family, it's your friends, it's your fellow employees, it's the barista that you see every week when you go to the coffee shop. And you have an opportunity to impact them with the gospel. You have an opportunity to help them grow closer to God. But one of the things you might find is that some of these people in your relational world, they're not that interested in God. They're not very curious about what God has been up to. You see, they grew up here maybe in South Dakota and all their lives they've kind of sort of heard about Jesus. They've maybe been to church. Maybe they went when they were in youth group or something like that and they just kind of fell away. Do you know some people like that? And so if you were to walk up to them and go, hey, could I share with you what the book of Romans has to say about Jesus and salvation? They'd be like, no, you can't because I don't care. And it would be awkward and it'd be weird, right? But what we believe is, though those people may not at this moment be curious about God, these people are probably curious about you or they wouldn't be in your relational world. And so if you have somebody who you call a friend and they actually don't wanna know anything about your life, you might use a different word than friend for them in the future. No, the people in your relational world, they're curious about you. They say, hey, what have you been up to today? What's going on in your life? And when they ask those questions, when they get curious about you, you have an opportunity to tell them about what God's been up to in your day. You have an opportunity to tell them about what happened on Friday night and how God was a part of it. Or how when you were going through this really hard thing at work, God moved. Or when you were struggling in your marriage, God showed up. 
You have an opportunity to share about the things of God, the way that God is breaking through in your life. And when you do that, we believe that they'll start to get curious about him. And eventually you'll have an opportunity to share about Jesus. And so as I thought about this, how do we help people get curious? Started looking through the Bible and trying to say, God, you know, what passage might you have for us today? And it was actually uh, one of our residents, uh, Becca, she came up with this passage today. And as soon as she brought it up, I was like, yes, that's it. And so we're going to look today. It's kind of a long passage, but we're going to look at 1 Peter chapter 3. If you want to turn there in your Bible, it'll also be up on the screen. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 8 through 16. And it's long, so what we did is um, I, had a, I had them highlight some of the words that I want you to pay special attention to as we kind of work through the passage. So let's read it today together. Finally, all of you should be of one mind, sympathize with each other, love each other as brothers and sisters, be tenderhearted and keep a humble attitude. Don't repay evil for evil. Don't retaliate with insults when people insult you. Instead, pay them back with a blessing. That is what God has called you to do, and he will grant you his blessing. For the scripture says, if you want to enjoy life and see many happy days, keep your tongue from speaking evil and your lips from telling lies. Turn away from evil and do good. Search for peace and work to maintain it. The eyes of the Lord watch over those who do right, and his ears are open to their prayers. But the Lord turns his face against those who do evil. Now, who will want to harm you if you are eager to do good? But even if you suffer for doing what is right, God will reward you for it. So don't worry or be afraid of their threats. Instead, you must worship Christ as Lord of your life. And if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this in a gentle and respectful way. Keep your conscience clear. Then, if people speak against you, they'll be ashamed when they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. When they see what a good life you live because you belong to Christ. The reason I loved this passage so much and thought it was perfect for us today as we think about how do I share the gospel is because this passage is about doing the gospel and saying the gospel. Doing and saying. You see, when I meet people out in the world, uh, I know a lot of Christians who just like to do. They like to get their hands dirty. They want to go on mission trips. They're big doers. And if I asked them to stand up on a stage like this, this would be their nightmare, right? They're like, absolutely not. Like, I just want to be behind the scenes working tech. I want to do and then you get other people who really like the sound of their own voice like me, and they love to say. They want to talk about it all the time. But if you ask them to do the gospel, they're like, well, I'm really busy. I don't know that I have time. And it's not do or say, it's do and say. That's how we help people get curious about what God has been up to. And the crazy thing about this passage, the thing that as I read and as I studied, I noticed is when you do the gospel, a couple things might happen. One of the things that Peter warns his audience about is if you're doing the gospel really well, people might get really upset about it. And that's a strange thing, right? Like if I'm more humble, if I love people well, if I don't tell lies, people are going to get upset about it. Well, guess what? 
Living like Jesus is completely counter to our culture. And when we live like Jesus, when we do the gospel, it upsets some people. And that shouldn't be a strange idea to us as Christians because all we have to do is look to the gospels and see what happened to Jesus, right? The one who did it the best, he ended up on a cross. And so when we live for Christ, when we do the gospel according to what we see here in 1 Peter chapter 3, Peter warns us it might really upset some people. And so I want you to be ready for that. It's a sad fact that it happens, but I want you to be ready for that, Christian, that if you're doing the gospel, you may make some people in your relational world mad. But another thing might also happen, and this is where it gets really neat. This is where we begin to see some real life change. For some people, when they see us do the gospel, Peter says that they'll get curious and they'll ask us about the hope that we have. And we'll have an opportunity to share with them all the great things that God is doing in our life. And so, how do we share the gospel? We do and we say. And so I want to bring up the list of things to do again for us today. There's the list. Take a picture of it if you need. These are all the things that were bolded. And in your bulletin, I have a space for you to choose three of these things. Because I think sometimes when we see a big list, we're like, yeah, I'll just do better. Well, guess what? I don't want you to walk out the doors and just say, I'm going to do better this week. I want to really challenge you to make the rubber meets the road. Pick three of those things. And then after you pick three of those things, there's a space in your bulletin to say, this is actually how I'm going to do it. This is actually how, like on a Tuesday at four o'clock, I'm going to worship better. Or this week, I'm going to bless Nathan with a caramel macchiato because (laughs) I want to check that one off really easily. Pick three of them. Don't let yourself off the hook. How are you actually going to do the gospel this week? Take a moment and write down some of those things. Because if we just come to this place and we sing some songs and we listen to somebody speak for 30-ish minutes and then we walk out the door and nothing changes, what was the point, right? So if we really want to see people in our relational world move towards an eternity in heaven with God, the first thing we have to do is get serious about doing. And then Peter tells us there's an opportunity for them to get curious and for us to be able to say. It says in 1 Peter 3, 15 through 16, and if someone asks about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. But do this, in a gentle and respectful way. And so if you're doing the gospel, somebody might come up to you and they might go, hey, you go to church, right? Like, tell me about this Jesus guy. Or hey, why did Jesus have to die on the cross? Or what's the point of Jesus? Why do you worship Jesus? So somebody might get curious and they might ask you that question. And if they do, would you be ready to answer that question? Now, I told you I'm not really about gimmicks and like all the things. And I, I totally do believe you can Google how do I share about Jesus and study that on your own. But I do want to give you one way this morning. It's, it's one verse evangelism. It's Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin are death, but the gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. Romans 6, 23. And that's a super easy one. If someone came to you and said, hey, what is this, the point of this whole Jesus thing? You share that verse. What that verse says is, What we earn for our sin is death and separation from God. Sin breaks things. Sin separates. 
Sin has fundamentally shifted the way that creation works. And so what we've earned for our sin is death and separation from God. But God doesn't want to leave us there. And so God provided a way for us to come back to him. And that way is Jesus. You see, Jesus stood in the gap for us. Jesus took that death upon himself for us. And it's a free gift that God offers. And he says, come back into relationship with me. Come back to the way that things were meant to be. And so if somebody asked you about Jesus, you could share with them Romans 6.23. Another question you might hear is not about like, who is Jesus or why the cross? But they might ask, how do I become a Christian? That's a good question. How do I become a Christian? Well, we've put it really big on the wall for you over there. So if you've never paid attention to it, take a picture and walk out the door with that sign. ABCs, we say, it's as simple as ABCs to become a Christian. The first thing you need to do is admit that you are a sinner. Admit that you are part of the problem. Admit that you have gone against God's plan for your life. Admit that you have broken relationship with God and confess those sins to him. Say you're sorry, ask for forgiveness. The next thing you do is believe that Jesus alone can save you from your sin. Believe that what the Bible says about Jesus is true. Believe that Jesus really does have the power to heal and to repair what is broken within you. And believe that God really does want to be in relationship with you through Jesus Christ. And then commit to following Jesus in every part of your life. Commit to making Jesus the Lord of your life and doing the things that it says in 1 Peter 3. A, B, C. Those are some questions that people might ask you. They might ask you about Jesus. They might ask you about how to become a Christian. But Peter actually says they're going to ask you a different question today. And it's one that I don't think we think about as much. And it's one that I want us to work through with the rest of our time this morning. What Peter says is, and if someone asks you about your hope as a believer, always be ready to explain it. Can you explain the hope that you have as a believer? Have you ever thought about that before? What is my hope? As I've been trying to wrestle with this question about like, what has God been up to? What am I hopeful about? What am I looking forward to as a believer in Christ? What do I have to offer a world that seems very broken and spiraling out of control I've been reading this book, it's called Epic of Eden. And in this book, they try to sum up like what God has been up to in the world. What is our hope? And they use this sentence in the book and it's a sentence we're gonna kind of camp out with today and I really enjoy it. It says, the people of God in the place of God in the presence of God. The people of God in the place of God in the presence of God. And I think our hope is actually found in that sentence. And so let me explain that a little bit. In the beginning, way back in Genesis, God created everything and he said it was good. And he placed us in a garden and he walked with us in the cool of the day. We were the people of God in the place of God, in the presence of God. That's what we were created for. That's what our heart yearns for. It's in our DNA that that's the way that things are supposed to be. And they're not anymore. Because sin came into the world 
And the people of God were fractured. And we see very early on, we see Cain and Abel fighting and one killing the other. And we were removed from the place of God. And we were separated from the presence of God because of sin. And God didn't see what happened because of sin and go, man, plan A was awesome, but it's just not going to work out. Maybe let's go back to the drawing board and figure out a plan B. No, we, we didn't defeat God's plan because of sin. We just slowed him down a little bit. Plan A is still plan A, and it's the only plan. And what God has been up to in the world since we were kicked out of the garden because of our sin is he's been trying to get us back there once again. And it's our hope that we one day will again be the people of God in the place of God, in the presence of God. That God can accomplish that no matter how we try to thwart it. And so that's the story that we have to share with the world. How is God making a people and a place and breaking through with his presence? People. Did you know that over 200,000 people died last year in armed conflict in the world? It's not supposed to be that way. When we watch the news and we see what's going on in Israel right now, it's not supposed to be that way. And that's why it breaks our hearts. There are over 30 Five million refugees in the world, people without a home or a place, and it's not supposed to be that way. And we know it's wrong. You see, what it's supposed to be is we're all supposed to be one united people of God in the garden. And I'm supposed to be able to go over to my great, 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 great grandmother Eve's house and have cookies on Tuesday and hear stories about what it was like when they named the animals. And that might seem silly, but that's the way it's supposed to be, guys. We weren't supposed to die. We weren't supposed to kill each other. We weren't supposed to be separated by language and tribe and religion. We were supposed to be a people. And so God's been at work in the world, bringing us back together. And we see that in this verse. But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into marvelous light. When we come together on a Sunday morning like this, we are the people of God, raising our voices and worshiping him, and it is a picture of the way that things are supposed to be. We are not divided, we are united in one purpose in this place. And we're supposed to be that out in the world too, guys. We shouldn't let Facebook divide us. We shouldn't let political opinions divide us. We are the people of God. And God is trying to do something in the world through us. He's trying to give people a picture of how it's supposed to be so that one day every tribe, nation, and tongue will stand before the throne of God and we will cry out together, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. It's in our DNA that that's what we want and that's what we need. And so I have hope. And when people ask me about it, I can say God is doing something. He's up to something. He's made me a part of something bigger. And I come together and I worship with my tribe 
Or I go over to Ethiopia with my tribe and we bring justice to people who are hurting. Or we go to Pettigrew Heights and we work to see people cared for because God is up to something and we are united in purpose as we do the gospel together. He's making a people place. Natural disasters kill 45,000 people a year on average. In the United States alone over the last five years, on average, every year, there have been 18 instances of natural disaster that have cost upwards of $1 billion each. Our world is broken, and it's not supposed to be that way. And we know it's wrong. And it's why when we see it in the news, our hearts cry out. Famine and plague and pestilence and earthquakes and fires and tornadoes and hurricanes, it's wrong. We broke stuff when we sinned. We fundamentally changed the nature of creation and creation groans out to God. And God says, I'll fix it. I'm working. I'm making a place for you again. We see it, our hope in this verse. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared and the sea was also gone. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. What I tell you is trustworthy and true. We can believe it. We can trust it. We can know that that promise will be fulfilled. And so we have hope. And I see that hope break through when I'm in a place like this. And I see that hope break through whenever I stand on, the, on a mountainside and overlook God's beautiful creation or when I sit on a beach and I listen to the waves or I hear the wind through the leaves. I see it break through. That the world is not the way it should be, but I can get a picture of how it will be. 18 inches of snow is not right, guys. God didn't want it for us. And so this winter, be a people of hope to say, God, it will not. I declare in Jesus' name, it will not always be so. He's making a people. He's making a place. And he's calling us to be in his presence. Gallup says that 17% of Americans suffer significantly from loneliness. That's 44 million people in America suffer significantly from loneliness. 18.8 million American adults every year suffer from depression. And 48,000 Americans committed suicide in 2021. It's not supposed to be that way. We're not supposed to feel so alone and hopeless. It's not supposed to overwhelm us because we're supposed to be the people of God in the place of God in the presence of God. We're supposed to know that we're not alone, that we have each other and that we have a God who loves us and is evident in our lives. And so for those people that are suffering Can you give them stories of hope? Can you share with your relational world the ways that God has showed up in your life even when things are hard? 
God is there. And there is hope. God is present. God is breaking into our world. You see, guys, everywhere we go, we have God with us. We bring God with us. See this verse. Don't you realize that your body is the temple of the Holy Spirit who lives in you and was given to you by God? You do not belong to yourself. Sin separated us from God. We were cast out of the presence of God when we were cast out of Eden. But God has created a way through Jesus Christ and his sacrifice for us to come back to him, for us to be made clean, for us to be built up as a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so when I walk into the lives of the people in my relational world, I bring God with me. And am I hiding him under a basket? Or am I boldly declaring God through the things that I do and through the things that I say? What stories are you sharing? Are you bringing hope? This is our hope, guys. It's in Revelation. It says, look, I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. That's a day that we can celebrate and look forward to with hope, guys. All those things will be gone forever and we will be the people of God in the place of God in the presence of God. And so we need to share the stories. So I'm not going to give you some gimmick today because I want to challenge you to think about how has God broken through in my life? How has God been using the people in my life to bless me and to move me forward? How has God showed up in places in my life? How have I felt the presence of God and how has it transformed me? Because it's only when we share those stories with our relational world that God begins to make sense to them. That God begins to transform them through the power of his Holy Spirit. How are you sharing the story? What's your part in it? Because all of us have a story. All of us have a piece to play. And so when you go home this week, I want to challenge you, you're doing, two, you're doing two things. How am I doing the gospel well this week? What rubber meets the road? What are some simple things that I can do? And then when people get curious about what God is up to in my life, what are the stories that I'm going to share? How am I going to show them that God is breaking through in my life? Because it's up to you. It's not up to me. It's not up to Jeff or anybody else. And so when you have an opportunity to share, will you complain about your workload? Will you sit around and talk about you know, what you were watching on Netflix? Will you complain about the weather? Will you be just like everybody else? Or will you always be ready to share about the hope that you have in Jesus Christ.